Hey, Tree of Life, God bless you. It's so good to be with you tonight. We're going to take some time and just look into the Word of the Lord and ask God to, to be with us and minister to us. Thank you for tuning in this evening. We just want to take a moment here in the middle of the week and, and look to the Word of God and be edified by the Word of God. The Word of God has been our foundation upon which we stand through these last several weeks, and, and it is a sure foundation. Uh, it's not something that will be shaky or unreliable. It's something that we can stand upon knowing that God is with us, and He's going to take us right all through uh, this journey, this process, this challenge that we are facing. I know this has affected people in different ways. Everybody who's listening to me right now has been affected in a unique way from other people. And yet God is with us. And what a comfort that is. What an absolute comfort that is. And so we're going to take some time tonight to uh, look into the Word of the Lord and ask God just to, uh, just to enlighten our hearts and our minds and bring uh, peace to our souls. So I, I, I'm going to be reading as a principal text from the book of Esther and the fourth chapter. Esther chapter 4 deals with a, a topic that is of uh, great concern and, and is relevant to where we are today. And it, it came to me as I was praying, and, and I want to share it with you. I think it's, I think it's relevant. Esther chapter 4, we're going to read one verse, verse 14. This is Mordecai speaking to Esther, the queen. He says this, For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? That is a statement that we are familiar with if you've studied the word of the Lord or heard the preaching of the word of the Lord for for very long, you're probably familiar with that statement. Coming to the kingdom for such a time as this. I want to speak to you tonight on the subject, made for a moment like this. Made for a moment like this. Lord, we thank you for your word, and I pray that you will bless people as your word goes forth. Help us to hear your word and to receive it into our hearts. We love you, and we thank you for that. We give you praise for everything you've done. We ask in Jesus' name that you'll bless us right now according to your mighty power. In Jesus' name, amen. The statement that Mordecai makes to Esther is a, is a very key statement. Who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. It's something that we have postured to the church for a long time because even though these last several weeks have been unique and challenging on a level that we've never seen before, we have seen calamity in our world and we have seen hardship in our world and we have seen tribulation and tumult in a number of different ways. This has been very different than those times, but it's in keeping. It's a part of a prophetic fulfillment that there's going to be pestilence, that there are going to be challenges and hardships that come along. And so we have tried to encourage the church 
through the preaching of the word for, for years, for generations, to help the church to hear again the words of Mordecai that he gave to Esther, which, which are these. Who knows whether you, you, who are we talking about? You, whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. I think perhaps more than ever, those words ring out in our mind are we come to the kingdom for a moment like this? I, of course, submit to you that yes, we are in fact come to the kingdom for such a time as this. We were made, the church was made for moments like this. In Esther's day, she was facing life and death matters. It had to do with a man by the name of Haman who was bent on destroying the children of Israel. He saw them as a threat because their allegiance was to the Lord and their allegiance was not to human authority in the sense that they would not go against their God's commands. A lot of talk lately has been in terms of religious persecution, religious freedom, as we have gone through this period of not conducting services. This is a health matter. Uh, but there are times where persecution has come against the church. In the book of Esther, this is an example of the people of God suffering persecution. The edict they were being demanded to obey was one that demanded they worship man instead of God. And, and Israel wouldn't do it. The Jews wouldn't do it. This bothered Haman. And Haman insisted they be killed. And persuaded King Ahasuerus, who happened to be Esther's husband, and Esther was a Jew, though Ahasuerus did not realize that at the moment. But, but he persuaded King Ahasuerus that the Jews were a threat to him and his kingdom. And so the edict went forth that these people would have to be uh, eradicated. And, and Esther had an option. Either she would disobey the command of God and, and, and or she would stand up for her people and say that this was an unfair edict that had gone out. The Bible says that she was confronted by her cousin Mordecai. Mordecai had raised her, and now she's in the king's palace, and he, he just sensed or wondered if maybe she would be tempted to not say anything because she didn't want to, to reveal her identity as one of these people that were being targeted with persecution. And he explained to her, he said, don't think that you will be spared because your house will be destroyed and you will be destroyed. And so Esther had this, this crossroads to which she arrived that said, I have to go. I have to go forth and I have to stand up for my people. Her life was on the line because if she walked into the king's throne room uninvited and unannounced, then she could very well be executed. It all depended on whether or not the king would extend his scepter. Esther, the queen, decided that she would do it, and, and she saved her people. The king did extend his scepter. He listened to the queen. queen. He learned of the devious plot. He learned the effect it would have on his queen, and in so doing, Esther saved her people. But the pivotal point in the story of Esther happens in 
Esther chapter 4, verse 14 that we read, where Mordecai puts it into a light that she really just had, was not prepared to, to fully fathom. He said, who knows, but whether you are come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Maybe that's why you're queen. Maybe that's why you're in this position. Perhaps God knew the whole time, even in creating you, that you were going to be in this moment at this time for this purpose to do a great work for God that saved many people. And that's exactly what Esther's role was. That's exactly why God had put her in that position. God made her for that moment. She had come to the kingdom for such a time as that. And that is why you and I are here today. And that's what I want to bring out to you today. We were made for a moment like this. This is a moment that, that none of us ever dreamed we would see. The term Great Depression, it was just a, it was, it was something that we heard about that our that our fathers, grandfathers, great-grandfathers lived through and talked about, but but we never really understood it. We never had experienced it ourselves. Some who are living did, and, and they were raised by people certainly who did. But it was a thing on history's pages to read about, to understand, but we, we really felt like we had, as a society, sophisticated ourselves beyond ever having to go through something like that again. And yet here we are brought back to the bare reality that we need God and we need the provision of God and that, that we can't do everything on our own and for ourselves, but we need a divine act and intervention from the Lord. And our world is looking for that salvation. And here we are, the church, you and I, the people of God, in a position where we are going to, to have to rise to this occasion and we're going to rise to this occasion and we are rising to this occasion. This occasion is a, an occasion of great opportunity to do something for the kingdom of God. You and I were made for moments like this. We have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. This is why we're here. Moments just like this. And so I want you to think about that. Everything you've gone through in life, God knew while you were going through those things that this moment was on the horizon for you. And you were being prepared to minister to your world for this moment. You were being, you were being, your steps were being ordered of the Lord so that you could minister to people at this time, in this hour. And you were brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. People's lives are at stake. Naturally, physically, lives are at stake. Spiritually, eternal destinations are at stake. This is not a time for retreat. This is a time for revival. This isn't a time to step back. This is a time to step forward. This is not a time for us to get discouraged. It's a time to be encouraged, to look to the Lord and understand that he has raised us up for this moment. Oh, hallelujah. He has raised you up for this moment 
to, to minister and to pray and to fast and to lead and to reach and to love and to encourage. Hallelujah. That's why God raised you up. Just like he did Esther, he has raised you up. These kinds of situations, they do not detract from the church. I just want us to understand that. The church is different than any kind of institution in the world. The world's institutions depend on certain factors in order to thrive and in order to succeed. They depend on certain market factors and market dynamics in order to thrive and, and then to succeed. But the church is different. This is a spiritual body. This is a spiritual body of people, the church. And, and the Bible says, the wind blows where it lists. And now hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. John 3 and 8. What is the Bible telling us? The Bible's telling us that there is a fluidity of the Spirit of God. And it's like the wind. You can't see it. And you can't even tell where it came from, and you have no idea where it's going, but it's just moving about. And then Jesus stops the, the analogy of the Spirit like the wind and says, and everyone that's born of the Spirit is like that wind. And so when I preach this word right now to you, this word goes out into the atmosphere and it touches lives and it blesses people. And when we pray prayers, prayers go up to the Lord and the Lord hears them and he answers prayer. I want to say that again. The Lord answers prayer. In case you are discouraged, you hear this, the Lord, we need to pray as though the Lord is going to respond to our prayer. We don't pray a prayer like it's some kind of a wish list. We pray prayers as if it is sealing the matter and that we are accomplishing the thing that we are praying for, knowing that God hears our cry, knowing that we can approach his throne like Esther approached the throne of Ahasuerus, believing that just as Ahasuerus extended the scepter and received Esther into his throne room, the Lord extended the scepter. And the Bible says Jesus Christ is the scepter of righteousness. And when that scepter was extended at Calvary, oh, hallelujah, he was extended at Calvary. And notice what he said. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And that's exactly what happened. The scepter was extended and all are drawn unto the Lord of glory. We enter into his presence. We boldly approach his throne of grace and we make our supplications, our petitions known to the Lord. We do not pray in vain. Prayer is a spiritual exercise that we partake in naturally, but we are affecting things on a spiritual level. You don't have to have a building to do that. You don't have to have the ability to gather in order to do that. It is, it's great when we can gather. It's, 
more enjoyable when we can gather. We, it's better when we gather. And when there are not uh, obstacles that are insurmountable, we should gather. But when we're forced into a position where we can't gather, the church was made for moments like that because the church is a spiritual body. It's a spiritual institution. So market dynamics or no, we're going to be all right. We're going to thrive. We're going to succeed. Hallelujah. We're going to bless. And here's what happens. This is what I love about the church. In the church, we are able to, to pray to the Lord. And the Lord puts his word into our hearts. You know what he'll do? He'll put some person on your heart. And that's then your responsibility to reach out to that person. Text them. Call them. Send them a note. Let them know that you're thinking of them, that you're praying for them. And, and reach out to those who the Lord places on your heart. He didn't put them on your heart for accident or by accident. He put them on your heart for the purpose of ministering to them and blessing them. I'm hearing great stories of people all around the Tree of Life Church that are reaching out to people in need, that are blessing individuals, that the Lord is putting that person on their heart and they're taking unique measures and doing things to bless this particular individual. In fact, I just heard about Sister Gail Rutherford. Uh, she was sharing with me that she was unable to get the live stream and so she was unable to hear the service. Sister Andrea Carlson actually calls her, puts her phone uh, has puts her phone next to the computer and she and Sister Gail Rutherford enjoy the service, the live stream together. I thought that was beautiful. What an innovative, creative way to minister to somebody who is in need. And things like that are happening all throughout the Tree of Life Church. Just innovative, creative ways to minister to somebody. How does that stuff happen? I'll tell you how that happens. It happens as a work of the Spirit. It's the Spirit moving. It's the Spirit of the Lord operating. It's God putting somebody on your heart, putting somebody in your spirit, encouraging you to pray for them, to reach out to them. This is a spiritual body, and the effects of society that would hamper the work of a normal entity or institution, it doesn't have that kind of an effect upon the church. Now, here's how it can have an effect on the church. When the church trusts in fleshly things. When the church trusts in, in man or in the personality of man or in the constructs of man. But when the church knows where our help comes from and we put our faith in the Lord God, he anoints us, he protects us, he gives us direction, he strengthens us for a moment like this. Thank God. I want to read to you just a, a, a few verses of scripture here from the book of Acts from the book of Acts and the eighth chapter, we're going to talk about another very difficult moment that the church faced. This moment was a moment of great persecution, similarly to what Israel was facing in the book of Esther. In this case, it wasn't Haman. You ready? It was Saul who became Paul, the apostle Paul. Before that, it was Saul, and he was wreaking havoc in the church. Acts chapter 8 beginning with verse 1. 
Saul was consenting unto his, Stephen's, death. And at that time, there was great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. The only people left in Jerusalem were the apostles. The persecution against the church in Acts chapter 8 was so great that they were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Verse 2, devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. So not only are they scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, and nobody's at Jerusalem except the apostles, and but they're also carrying Stephen to his burial. This was a great evangelist. Stephen was a great evangelist in the early church. This was a very difficult time. The people were scattered. They weren't able to congregate. They weren't able to gather. They weren't able to, to enjoy one another's fellowship. They were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And the only people left at Jerusalem were the apostles. That's kind of how we feel here at 6477 Cooper Road. There are only a few left at Cooper Road for the moment. That's going to change. Stay tuned. In Jesus' name, that's going to change. But for right now, there are only a few left. And, and Stephen was carried to his burial. We've seen good people carried to their burial. Thankfully, not at Tree of Life Church. We give God all the praise for that. But some connected to Tree of Life Church and several that we know and several friends and loved ones that, that are part of the, part of the ministry. And, and it, it's a challenging thing to watch as this unfolds. The Bible says that there was great lamentation made over Stephen. And as for Saul in verse 3, he made havoc of the church. He entered into every house. I want you to hear that. He entered into every house. That's great persecution of the church. It's terrible persecution of the church. He entered into every house. They sat down and made a list of every house of every believer in Jerusalem. And they entered into those houses and notice what they did. They were hailing men and women and committing them to prison. Therefore, verse four, I love this, this is why I read this passage. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. That is amazing. But that's the church. And the church was made for moments like this. They went everywhere preaching the word. They didn't go everywhere bemoaning the situation. They didn't go everywhere feeling defeated. They didn't go everywhere saying, didn't we have something good going? No, no. They went everywhere preaching the word. You can't stop the church. You can't prevent the church from achieving God's purpose. No virus can do it. No persecution can do it. The church is God's church. It's a glorious church. So what happens when we're scattered? What happens when we're scrambled? I'll tell you what happens. We start praying. We start fasting. We start preaching the word. We're baptizing people 
left and right at Tree of Life Church. The baptismal waters are running right now, ready for somebody to come and get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. What happens? We start witnessing to people. When, when we get scattered, when we get scrambled, when, when there's great havoc in our world, the church was built for it. There are some, there are some buildings that aren't going to open back up. Some restaurants, some of your favorite restaurants could close down when all of this is over. Some of your favorite stores could close down when all of this is over. Some of your favorite uh, uh, shopping centers could close down and, and, and when all of this is over. But the church is not closing down. It's a spiritual body and it operates independent of the effects that would normally bring down an institution. The, the church moves forward and we give God praise for that. I think we ought to thank God right now for every blessing, for every blessing that he's brought to you and to the church in Jesus' name. Every blessing, you ought to thank him right now in your home. God, I thank you right now for every way that you've kept me, for every way that you've watched over me, for every way that you've blessed my family, how you've, how you've ministered to us in the name of Jesus. We were made for moments like this. We were bought by his blood. We were filled with his spirit. We are established upon his word. We pray and we fast and we seek the face of God. And I'm telling you, we have the power to come through this and not to just come through it, but to come through it better than we were before because this is a spiritual body, this church of the living God. I want to bring something else to your attention. In Acts chapter 9 and verse 31 Something shifts, something changes. First of all, Saul was converted. Saul, who made havoc of the church. Again, I want to I go back to what we read. He went into every house and was hauling men and women off to prison. That's what Saul was doing. He didn't just kill Stephen. He went into every home of every believer and intimidated them and imprisoned as many as he could. But, but something happened. God got a hold of him. He went down on the road to Damascus and, and saw a great light that was shining above the brightness of the sun. And this whole conversion experience takes place in God. And God said, listen, you've made havoc of the church, but I'm getting ready to use you for my glory. And I'm going to tell you something. This chaos that we have seen and have experienced and that has ensued around us, God's getting ready to arrest it and use all of it for his glory. Hallelujah. When Saul was converted and was saved by the grace and the power of Almighty God, he was no longer going into every home and wreaking havoc. Notice what the Bible says in Acts chapter 9 and verse 31. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee, and Samaria, and were edified, and they were walking in the fear of the Lord, they were walking in the comfort of the Holy Ghost, and were multiplied. I want to read that again. They were edified, they were walking in the fear of the Lord, they were walking in the comfort of the Holy Ghost, and the result was this, they were multiplied. 
This is what I want to point out. Notice in Acts chapter 8, when the persecution came, they were scattered abroad. And, and they didn't just get scattered. They went everywhere preaching the word. Hallelujah. Notice in Acts 9 and 31, it was a different story. There wasn't persecution in that moment. The churches had rest throughout all Judea and throughout Galilee and Samaria. And the Bible says they were edified. They walked in the fear of God. They walked in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. And they were multiplied. And so what I want to bring out to you is that the church was made for every moment. Made for great persecution, you scatter us, we'll go preach the word. It reminds me of when my great-grandfather was starting a church in the state of Michigan. You all remember just uh, last year when we faced opposition concerning our building permit, and, and it was a challenging time. I read my great-grandfather's book about when he started the church in Michigan, and he faced tremendous opposition. They, they, they tremendous opposition. They, the people around there didn't want them worshiping, didn't want them gathering, didn't want them meeting. He went to jail. The saints went to jail. The police came down and arrested them for holding services. And as I was reading it, I was thinking, oh my Lord, have mercy. Forgive me for forever feeling pity on myself because I'm looking at what my great-grandfather and men and women of that generation, what they went through and we're so blessed. But, but when they put him in jail, he went into the jail preaching the word. He and the saints, they went into jail and they started winning prisoners to the Lord. That's the attitude of the church. Man, wherever we are, we don't stop praising him because we're not in a building. We don't stop preaching the word because we don't have physical people sitting out in a in a. Uh, a congregation or an auditorium. No, no, no. We, we were commissioned to preach the gospel to every creature, whether they show up or are able to gather or not. We're commissioned to preach. You scatter us, we're going to preach. You scatter us, we're going to sing. You scatter us, we're going to pray. You scatter us, we're going to witness. You scatter us, we're going to do the work of God in unique, creative, innovative ways. We were made, hallelujah, for moments like this. But that's not just the only time the church prospered. Notice what it says in Acts chapter 9. The churches had rest. There was peace. And when there was peace, they were edified. They walked in the fear of God. They were comforted by the Holy Ghost. And they were multiplied. Hey, when all of this stops and we start resting and there's peace and there will be peace, we better not stop praying. We better not stop being creative. We better not stop continuing on this path of trusting God. Hallelujah. I, I, I hope and pray that several who are listening to me right now have in this process repented. It would be foolish not to repent of habits and sinful lifestyles when we've been on the verge of Jesus coming back for several weeks now. There were certain days that I was shocked he didn't sound the trumpet and call all of us home. I hope and pray you've taken this opportunity to repent, turn from wicked ways, begin fearing the Lord, turn your heart to serve Him. And I pray you never go back to sinful habits and backslidden conditions. Take this opportunity and learn from it, grow from it. 
and, and, and when the rest comes and when the peace comes and when God allows us some a time of peace, don't abuse that and take it for granted. Walk in the fear of the Lord. Be edified and walk in the comfort of the Holy Ghost and let the Lord multiply the church through you. You, Esther, yeah, that's who you are right now. You, Esther, were made for moments like this. You have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. You know, there's this great prophecy in the Old Testament. I'm going to read it to you. Glad you asked. Amen. Psalm 34. Psalm 34, and I'm going to read to you just these couple verses of Scripture. It, it, it reads from Psalm 34 and verse number 17. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. He keepeth all his bones. Not one of them is broken. That is a messianic prophecy, and it has to do with the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. When it says many are the afflictions of the righteous, there's a reason it says the righteous. Because you and I, by ourselves, we're not righteous righteousnesses of God and Jesus Christ is the righteous the Bible calls him that Jesus Christ the righteous that's why Proverbs 18 and 10 says the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous runneth into it and is safe it's singular it's not plural we like to say the name of the Lord is a strong tower the righteous runneth into it and are safe no it's not plural it's singular He's the righteous. Jesus is the righteous. And, and, and he is the one that in the name of the Lord established a strong tower for us to run into and be safe. We're not safe through our righteousness. We're safe through his righteousness. Hallelujah. But this prophecy is about Jesus. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. The prophecy related to the crucifixion of Messiah that none of his bones would be broken. And that was one of the miracles of Calvary, was even in the midst of that horrible crucifixion, even in the midst of that terrible mutilation of his body, not a bone of his was broken. In fact, they were going to break his bones. They came to the, to the cross and they were going to break his legs as was the custom as it related to crucifixion. But they didn't. And the Bible explains in the book of John that thus was fulfilled the prophecy that a bone of his shall not be broken. None of his bones will be broken. And that's what we understand about the body of Christ. Even when he was wounded, he wasn't broken. Even when he was bruised, no bone was broken. Even when there was the chastisement of peace, no bone was broken. Even when he was smitten and stricken and afflicted, 
no bone was broken. And that's the power of the body of Christ even today. That, that, that we can go through trials, but not a bone be broken. We can go through struggles and turmoil and turbulence, but not a bone be broken. Yeah, you need to be in the body of Christ. You need to be in the body of Christ. Don't be on the outside of the body, subject to all of the, of the turmoil of this world. Be in the body of Jesus Christ where not a bone is broken and where he lives we just celebrated Resurrection Sunday. He's alive and he lives forevermore. This is a time to get near the body of Christ, in the body of Christ, stay connected to the body of Christ, tune in to these webcasts, go to the website, have your children view the lessons that are provided by our children's ministry teachers, beautiful, powerful lessons that are being taught. Go to Facebook page, go to the Instagram page for the branch and see the devotionals that youth and youth leaders are providing. Look at every way you can to be connected to the body of Christ. Reach out to somebody. That's a challenge I want to issue to Tree of Life Church. Reach out to somebody right now, today, tomorrow, and the next day, minister to them. Let Pray and let the Lord put somebody on your heart and mind, somebody that you wish you could see, that you could worship with. And let them know, hey, you've been on my heart and my mind. And I want you to, to know that I'm praying for you. Is there anything I can do to encourage you? God will be with you. God will strengthen you. Amen. God will bless them through you. The church was made for a moment like this. You were made for a moment like this. You have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And if you'll be bold and approach the throne of grace and do what God has laid upon your heart to do, you're going to save a lot of people just like Esther was able to save a lot of people. I'm in it for the long haul. How about you? Amen. I can hear you. I can hear you clapping. I can hear you saying amen. I can hear you shouting, preach preacher, preach pastor, because we're in this thing together. Tree of Life, I love you. I thank God for you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for your continued faithfulness. Thank you for your love that you have one for another. I can feel the love of God emanating from you all across this city. Let's keep it up. And when we come back together, again, we'll be providing that information to you when we are able to get back together and what that will look like and what that will involve. And we're looking forward to it. And until then, be encouraged, bless one another, and keep serving the Lord with all your heart. We love you and appreciate you in the precious name of Jesus. I'm going to pray for you right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for every member of the Tree of Life Church. Lord, I thank you for every family, for every individual. Lord, I pray that you will bless them and strengthen them and encourage them in this time. Help us to know God that you have bound us together, hallelujah, in the love of God, and that you have never left us and you will not leave us. You have never forsaken us and you will not forsake us. We love you, Lord, and we give you praise. We magnify your holy name. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray that you will go forth with us, go forth with all those who face life and death, Lord, just as Esther did. And I pray you will extend that holy scepter of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Help us 
in Jesus' name, to walk boldly with you and in you, knowing that you are the strong tower and we are safe because of being in you. We give you praise and we magnify your name, O oh God. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for your time tonight. The Lord bless you real good. In Jesus' name.